0: seems like proof of life was emotional versatility. I can cry with those who are crying. I can laugh with those who are laughing. I'm actually just really making all this up or whatever, adding to what you said, but the proof of healing is aliveness. And aliveness equals, or one, one bit of evidence of aliveness is emotional versatility. I can just be with whatever's there.
1: Have you ever found yourself numb to the world around you? Or maybe you're even there right now then this conversation is for you. Hello, my friends, my name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-host and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There is no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian, Dan, and I sit down with Julia Woods. Julia is the founder of a marriage or relationship coaching company called Beautiful Outcome. She shares with us a time in her life when she felt numb to her work and the people around her, and how she turned that around to create meaning in her business and relationships again. Towards the end of the conversation, she also talks about the most common complaints she hears from founders and CEOs as it relates to their marriages and committed relationships, and the secret to overcoming those dysfunctions. So make sure you stick around for that brilliance. I'm so excited to introduce you to Julia. Let's dive in. All right, here we go. Adrian and Dan, so good to be with you.
0: Yeah, Great to be so here. good to be
1: here. Yep. good to be with Good, good to be be with. That's right. Um, I'm I'm so excited for our conversation today. We have a, a guest, Julia Woods. Julia, we're so grateful that you take the time to come and be on the podcast, have a robust conversation with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your generosity and your spirit already uh, calling us to the carpet because we were two minutes late, and uh, I appreciate that. Um, so, thank you so much for being here. How are you?
2: I am great and excited for what wants to happen in this conversation.
1: Would you take just a minute just to introduce yourself to our audience?
2: Yes, I'm Julia Woods and uh, coach, trainer, founder of a company called Beautiful Outcome, which specializes in helping couples communicate. I married to my husband, Jeff, for 32 years. We have four kids and two grandkids.
1: Amazing. A theme of family there. Yes. So I'd love to just start. um, You know, what's something as you think about one of the reasons that I obviously you can give us so much insight to uh, the challenges that founders, entrepreneurs and business owners and leaders face when it comes to their relationships with their spouses or partners. And we're going to get there, so those of you that are listening, hold on, because we're going to get some goods from Julia uh, as we round out this conversation. First, I want to talk about you. Being the Naked Leadership Podcast, um, I really want to get a glimpse into your entrepreneur, your company founder, Adventure, Um, and I'm curious for you, what's what's something that we should know about you from your experience in life that has brought you to where you are right now?
2: Where I'm at right now is, um, you know, I often think both of my, the two businesses I've had have had a very interesting journey through my healing. Like, it's been a healing journey. Okay, I'm crying already, you guys. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I didn't realize as a photographer... What a deep subconscious longing I believe was was to just photograph the beauty of families. That was something that I longed to experience and longed to get close to. And if I, there was parts of it that I think wanted to make it look idyllic because that's the beauty of what photographs can do. Um, but in the heart of it, I just people ask me after twenty years, why do you still love photographing weddings? And I'm like that. Mo- those moments with the family is what drew me in every time. One hour. and then to move into getting to really work in developing the heart of the family, which is the marriage. It's just been a journey of really a passion towards family. I don't
3: know.
1: Talk about family for a second. What is it that I mean? It sounds like such a stupid question, but I, what draws you to that realm?
3: Because yeah, you can you can find a lot of people would say you're crazy. Why would you want to even get involved? That's like that's a sticky wicket. For God's
2: sake, <laughs> sticky wicket. That's our new word right so now. Sticky wicket.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
2: I have not found anything on this earth that calls me up more than family. Like there is the messier than anything else I think this world offers and yet more compelling, more life-giving, more drawing. Like it just calls people to the greatest experience I think this world offers.
1: Why do you call your journey a healing journey? I think that's such an interesting context to put on it.
2: <laughs> it's a it's a good thought, Chad. I um, I was born into some pretty violent scenarios, and you know, my uh, parents have both shared that the moment they found out they were expecting me, that that was the worst news they could have received. Eh. But I think it's a journey of. It's been a, my life is a journey. It will be a continued journey of choosing truth, choosing to acknowledge the stories I wanted to buy into, the stories I want to hold me back, and instead rewrite them to the full healed version of what's possible.
1: How does that influence your leadership now? I mean, how you've got a team that you lead, beautiful outcome. Did you have a team that you lead or were you solo in photography?
2: Photography, I had a team of eight.
1: Wow. For anybody listening that isn't familiar with, like, wedding photography, to ha- to be running an, an operation that has a team of eight, that's big time. How did you talk about those experiences that, you know, have shaped you? How does that influence your leadership now? What are, you know both challenges that come up because of it and insight that come from it?
2: I think the biggest challenge is everywhere I go, there I am. So it's just continual. Uh, Meeting myself and seeing myself work can be a very easy escape when relationships are suffering, when I'm suffering in my relationships. And so I think that's one of the challenges is... It seems this strange mix of, I'm wanting to provide for my family. I'm doing this for my family. But at the same time, I'm using it to escape what's uncomfortable with my family. So it's this paradigm, maybe. I don't know. You guys would know that more than I do. But it feels like a continual wrestle of wanting to give myself fully to something that I can, I know is for the legacy, at the same time, There's also ego tight in it and there's also achievement and, you know, wanting to produce something that is for feeling good. And that's Mm. the challenge for me is that's not at the heart of it when I'm in a um, standing in truth. That's not what I want. And yet that's the challenge I face that that draw can be there for me.
3: I wanted to. Go back, if you wouldn't mind, to what Chad asked, what does it mean to heal for you? Like, what's the healing? Is, is it your personal healing? Do you see some healing in the family? And f- probably first would be, what does healing, what does it mean? Because I that occurred to me too. I wrote a note down. What do you mean by heal?
2: Yeah, for me, healing means I'm locating what's not true locating what I've told myself or believed for so long that it just seemed a part of me, it seemed true. And to heal that is to to choose truth, to look at what is that bringing towards me if I keep, as I believe that, What what is it producing? And that's not what I want. So there's a limitation in the belief that I'm believing. And to heal that belief means to to choose a belief that Drives me towards what I do want.
1: How do you test those beliefs? Results. Well, well, that's good.
3: I so you're healing the belief. Or the healing. What is the healing? Like that's what I'm trying to get my head around. Like I heard what well, by the way, most people in the culture are gonna go, Oh yeah, healing. Huh? No. And I've always like, well, what does it What is it? How do you know if one is healed? And how do you know when it's not?
2: For me, what feels healing is that like my soul was so like life was becoming despairing. Life was I was doing everything that I was supposed to do according to what I believed to be successful. And yet I was miserable. I couldn't cry at a funeral. I couldn't uh, laugh at you know simple day-to-day things life was becoming so yeah. serious and in my experience I call it the pH balance of my soul the pH balance of my soul was rotten
3: <laughs> because of all these beliefs
2: I believed that no one could be trusted except me I believed that um no one really liked me I believed all these things that brought me to build bitterness and resentment as people interacted with me in life And, you know, I believe the only way I could get someone to like me or want to be with me was to create something or do something for them. And all of these beliefs were driving me to a very miserable existence. And as I worked to come into truth about trust isn't about the other person, it's about me and how I'm choosing to show up and create trust and love being in a relationship being loved being valued is not about what i do and so it's a continual journey of choosing to notice what i am telling myself and choose a belief that creates something that's life-giving that's so
3: yeah go ahead Life giving so in other words the healing shows up when you see the, the impact on the other person. Like, like you made a shift personally that brought forth in another person, um, what you long for in the relationship. Like they, like they, they're, you're, you're impacted by the, imp, by their joy or reconciliation or whatever they're going through, that they have some kind of breakthrough and, there's a reward in that for you, like a connection,
2: yeah. I remember sitting in photography in the photography one of the rooms in our photography studio and seeing such a transition. I went through about three years of um just really working to transform my relationship with how I was working, and I remember like. A few years prior to that i sat in that room and it was all about making sure i got everything done on time making sure that i got the biggest sale that i could making sure that they were happy with their images and that i had created a very powerful transaction and two years later i sat in that same sales room and i'm crying with the person and pictures didn't matter and they placed a huge order and they were very happy with their images but all of a sudden what I did took on the meaning of relationship. What I did took on the meaning of two lives that happened to pass each other for a bigger purpose than just the transaction yeah. of a photograph.
3: Yeah, that makes anyway. sense because you use the word despair, which is means meaninglessness. Yes. And so yeah. there's meaning in the relationship, and that now I'm connecting with it. I get it. I, I just thank you. Appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, and I think. The, oh, go ahead, Adrian.
0: I just thinking, metaphorically speaking, as I hear your. How you're sharing about healing, which I think is fascinating, um, and potentially very helpful for a lot of people that are listening, just because I don't know, the lack of thinking around healing, I think <laughs> keeps people grasping for some kind of fantasy. Um, and what I hear you saying, if I'm just naturally thinking metaphors, like as you find a it's it's foundation and structure. Meaning that if you got your foundation straight like there's a certain belief as you said it there's a certain belief that was tr- was actually truer than the false the, the other belief you had I wouldn't call it false there was a belief you had before that limited your life and limited your relationships and you were then limited and that's like a really faulty structure that you can build a shack on and except there's other beliefs that actually generate a broader more fortified foundation upon which you could build to the, to the moon. And there's an experience I heard you saying, like, I don't, I don't know, like it seems like proof of life was emotional versatility. I can cry with those who are crying. I can laugh with those who are laughing. I'm actually just really, so the proof of healing, I'm making all this up or whatever, adding to what you said, but the proof of healing is aliveness. Yes. And aliveness equals, or it one. One bit of evidence of aliveness is emotional versatility. I can just be with whatever's there. I don't know if that's worth anything. I'm just thinking through it. I like like the framework for it because the other, most of the time when people talk about healing, they're talking about an emotional state, which is kind of like, you know, being on a sailboat and
1: praying for wind. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair, it's what you negotiate. Now that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you wanna be very clear on how you negotiate? What's effective and what's ineffective? what your strengths are, and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now, or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show.
2: Yeah. When you were talking, Adrienne, a big shift for me was in my thinking. Yeah. So much of when I When I do things transactionally, transactionally, because I still do, I just was sharing with my husband how transactional and I had been in our conversation in the last couple of days. So when I do that, my thoughts are focused on the other person. What are they doing? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? Why aren't they listening to me? It's all about what's not going the way I think it should be or what I'm afraid they're doing or that we're... A big part of what has produced what I call healing where the pH balance of my soul seems to be much more alive is really thinking about myself and not in a way of like, what am I here for? What is Uh. the result I want to produce? What is it that, um, why am I thinking that thought? Why am I choosing to respond that way? And really shifting from, fear of who the other person is to more of like, girlfriend, look at yourself. Like They need to be afraid of you. You you are human and you can, you know, be up to no good.
3: Yeah. So (laughs) you just clarify something else too. So what really shifted is the, what you were aiming at, you kind of shifted from the outcome of the transaction to the quality of the relationship is what I heard. And that when you focused on the quality of the relationship, you said something like, of course, and they were happy with their photos, you know, the images, everything went fine, but it was the quality of the relationship that contextualized all that. And and the anxiety, like that was a higher aim because when it was done, you there was still meaning in the relationship going forward. There was meaning for why you were there, who you were there for, what you were there to accomplish. And so yeah. the... It sounds like the hierarchy of concerns shifted with the aim, because you, you. I hear part of this. What you're saying is, you know, when you're not aiming at the thing that matters most, when you, when you find yourself emotionally and intellectually distracted or pulled back on yourself, like worrying about how you're doing, worrying about if you're going to survive, worrying about if they're going to come back, that that that's when the aim has been kind of it's so easy to change your aim it's like I just wouldn't had my rifle re re blind I don't know re, resided recited and it's funny because I at, at about 50 yards I, I couldn't hit anything with it and the guy said well you're sighted wrong and when he re-sighted me I'm hitting things a 100 yards away right and it's it's like that in my when I'm listening to your testimony there so
2: yeah and yeah. it produced bigger results yeah. Not, I mean, the biggest part for me was the meaning change, the value, the the joy in just everyday moments Yeah, and the business grew in massive ways that it hadn't grown sure. before because it yeah. went beyond yeah. just what I thought I was there to do.
3: Right. And then there's the second thing I wrote down was it came out of a wound for you, like out of a conflict in your life that was. Hurtful, and that your longing for family came out of the absence of family or the absence of the quality of family that you wanted. Certainly, have family, but the, the absence of the quality that somehow you innately knew was possible. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think as a photographer, I often thought if I could just look through the window yeah. and I could see that this exists for other people. Oh, yes.
3: he, he created it. Before, yeah.
2: And. I'm great. So grateful for the journey of healing that happened through that career because then I was able to be like, "Wait a minute, I, I'm no longer looking through the window. I'm actually living this, and I want to walk with other people who want to live." The power of bringing forth the relationships that you really long for.
0: Yeah, I, I, I so, dig. Um, sorry, I, I what, I what I was writing down. Just thinking through this. It, and the handful of environments in my life right now, relationships in my life right now is that distinction that you just made between, well, first off, it's ironic to make more of an impact you had to look inside. That's <laughs> paradoxical. You know, yeah. It's paradoxical in that way. Um, because it wasn't, you weren't giving yourself license to be narcissistic. You're actually wondering about where my eye is coming from. And it historically had been, it equals I. So whatever's okay. out there, their thoughts, their actions, right. what should be happening, blah, 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 transaction, da, 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 da. Whatever it is, I am. And that generates lots of frustration because it's not lining up. So therefore, I can't line
1: mm-hmm. up. Like you are your results is what is what I hear you saying, Adrian. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, I, yeah. And I am all the suspicions that show up whenever things yes. are off one bit.
1: Right. And now all of a sudden- yeah, yeah.
0: Friends or enemies, situations or challenges, blah, blah, blah. And your shift from, you know, I as it to I as aim is a pretty big deal. Like I am what I'm aiming at. I am the, the trajectory that I set. And that's,
3: that's powerful. And there's wow. irony in there. The irony, as I'm thinking about it, is unless I'm willing to lose what I want, I can never have it. In other words, if I'm committed to having a, a rewarding, intimate, generative relationship with my spouse, I've got to be willing to put at stake the way it looks or the like, oh, this is great. You know, one of our favorite sayings between Eileen and I is, don't worry, this will pass, right? <laughs> Especially when it's that good. But yep. that, it, that to love somebody... To love them, not what I'm getting from them, it and it's. And I certainly love what I get from my wife, but to love them is to risk losing what I get from them, because they are really. To it, it and this is so. I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like a Hallmark card, but really, it, If I love them, you know, there's that saying that goes something like um, C.S. Lewis said, and he said. Love's never wasted for its value does not come rest upon reciprocity, right? It doesn't—it's not a result of reciprocity, which is what I— when I find myself most disgruntled, most upset, I'm pissed off or upset because I'm not getting what I want. I've given you something, now I should—there should be a reciprocation. And that produces—that's like the beginning of a war, a separation— because now I'm going to angle to get that. I'm going to I'm going to employ all kinds of strategies to manipulate out of you what I think you ought to give me because I've been a certain way with you like a currency. There's a quid pro quo. And that yep. you know and, and it takes some courage. It takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to to trust that loving you could be more rewarding than what I get from you. Right, right that's a, that's a game that's a, that's a bigger game, and then I find a lot more meaning in that game. And it's 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 a risky game, which makes it which keeps the relationship alive, right?
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. I was just listening to Warner er, Earnhardt, and he said, Erhard, yeah. "To be alive in a relationship is to risk." Yeah. And that's what I'm really in the midst of in this part of my journey is just giving myself more deeply to that risk and the power of what wants to happen through me rather than what I want.
3: So talk about some of your, I mean, how do you work with a client because you're actually calling people up to that. They, they, they come to you for, because they're working through things or they're, they want to, they may have a really functional, valuable relationship to looking to deepen even further more romance. How, like what's the framework or how do you like, wh- wh- how do you call them into that relationship? Because, you certainly can't sell that relationship, yes. you know, it's like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I um, I get to be careful how much I tell people, look, we're going to only look at your contributions. We don't really care what your spouse is doing. And they're like, wait a minute, I'm here because I need you to, oh, my, bro- <laughs> my spouse, they're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's
1: it's right. very similar. It's very similar typically when we meet a, a potential new client, they want us to come in and fix their people. <laughs> Yeah, their employees, their team, or their partner, their business partner, or something, and and we're going, well, hold on, stop the carriage, let's look at the driver first. <laughs>
0: yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get there. It'll just be next year. We've got plenty to yeah, yeah. work on this yeah. year. <laughs> for, not a...
3: for the first year, we're going to work with the constant. Once we get the constant, we can start working with the variables.
1: <laughs> that's right. It's not a very sexy sales line.
2: No, no. it's not. No. It's not. I've often had people in marketing say, will you just talk more about the victim you know just talk like you're a victim that's that's really what you need to do and i understand because that's ultimately you know i went my first experience with dan was going to revenant so dan could fix my husband so i know i know what that (laughs) sounds like
3: i failed failed (laughs) drastically (laughs) jeff Jeff, if you're listening jeff i'm just kidding
2: (laughs) oh um so the framework that I really use, it it starts whether I'm working with an individual, because I often have spouses come who really, really have gotten to the point where they recognize where I was, which was like, wait a minute, I'm feeling pretty dead inside. And so there's something with me I need to look at. So that's a, a very common um, experience. And then I have clients who come to me want, hoping I'm going to fix their spouse. And then I have clients who... Want, who are in a good, ma- good marriage and they just want to keep getting, you know, they often say, I have a good marriage, I want a great one. And the framework's all the same. We start the first six weeks and, okay, let's look at you. What is your in- inquiry? How is it that you question what's happening? How is it that you question your ability to bring about what you say you want to bring about? And you know, they're often like, well, can we just get to the part where you tell us how to have different conversations, how you tell us, you know, tell us how we can make united decisions together. Tell us how we can get to that part. And I'm like, no, we can't go there. That's <laughs> tell not us
3: what to do, Julia. Tell <laughs> us what to do. Tips and tricks, baby. Come on, bring it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's going to do no good. If I don't, te- I to talk about them learning to work in their backyard. So we often want to work in our spouse's backyard. It's like, our marriage is a neighborhood. Our we have our backyard and our spouse has their backyard. Each is fenced in and we often stand at the fence pointing into our spouse's backyard saying, "Hey, that tree is not working for me." And, "Hey, you've got to, you know, do something better here." And it's yep. like trying to work in your neighbor's yard with the shovel over the fence. You really have no ability to accomplish anything in their yard. It's only yours. Yeah. The whole time you're at the fence looking in their back in their backyard, you're Back is turned to yours. You can't see all the varmints that are going on over there.
1: Uh.
3: Yeah. And um, it's, uh, when you say that, what comes up is I, I can imagine the longer I work at changing my spouse, the more c- contempt and resentment is going to build in me because they're going to have their own mindset and they're going to have their own values. And so I'm going to find myself alienated, isolated. Um, frustrated, contemptuous, probably want to shut down, something to keep from having to face again the hopeless endeavor of changing them. And there must, it's like, can somebody, and I'm sure people are making a lot of money providing a pill or some kind of, you know, altruistic answer. And, And I think the other thing, too, is I think one of the worst things that could happen, at least in my relationship, that, that was the most pernicious underminer was the ideal of who I, I lean or we should be together versus who uh. are we together and how can we be together. You know, the discovery that we could be far more than what we, the ideal was, far uh. m- much richer, much deeper, far more, you know, kind of a three-dimensional view instead of this. And and because and like, you, when you fall short of the ideal... That's when the frustration and upset and and if the ideal is a complete reciprocation of everything I think I ought to get for what I give, well, phew, now we're, you know, now we're talking about a war. So,
1: Julia, you work a lot with, I mean, there's a lot of crossover in our clientele. I think. Yeah. You work with a lot of high-end, hard-driving entrepreneurs, company founders. I'm curious for you, what have you noticed? How did the complaints come across? Like, what are the most in it, my my goal here is to get some of those who are listening to identify with you know what it is that's going on and how you work with them in this space and i think the best way to do that is to really like name their complaints mm-hmm. um i'm wondering for you what are the most common complaints or the most uh talked about challenges as as potential clients find you
2: yeah a big the biggest one is usually around their needs right like if if there is the business owner the spouse and the spouse isn't in the business with them it's often they work so much they don't see everything that i'm doing they don't share the load i'm everything's up to me in the household and then for the business owner it's like they don't see how hard i'm working they don't respect me and understand i need my space and so that's a pretty common one when they're not in it together When they are in it together, it's more around workload, like who is carrying the bigger workload in the business, who is um, doing the bigger portion or making the bigger difference in what they're doing, and really just missing each other. Rather than partnering together, they're almost competing against each other in the same business.
1: Yeah, I'm just noticing as you name all of those, it's all about the other person, right? It's all about... (laughs) very, very, I bet it's not very common that somebody comes to you and says, I'm just not showing up in my marriage the way I want to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be lovely. <laughs> so, it it would a lot easier.
1: <laughs> so where do you start? Adrian, were you going to say something that looked like you were had something ready to go? Well, uh, plenty. Um, and, you know, I, Allie and I work with
0: Julia, so I've been... um on the ground and I was just thinking about my complaints as I came in, filling out those intro forms and, and what would have have the complaints have evolved over time. And, um, you know, I think one of my, one of my, one of my complaints, um, which, uh, you know, complaints usually just a deep desire, you know, and I complain instead of standing in the desire, the deep desire is to have like generous, potent, meaningful, conversations. That's the desire. Yeah. It's like, well, let's get to the core issues with love and generosity and be with one another. Um, you know, and then, you know, Julie has been very artful at helping me see my side in that because I can easily get, you know, just cause, Hey, I'm a big deal. I know how to talk about blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I could just, you know, run my own kind of, uh, here's the framework, just this, 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 that's it. Just do this, just do this, just do this, and you can completely miss Allie in the process um, for the sake of me being right, quote unquote, um, which is obviously me in a reaction, right? I'm like when I'm in my reaction mode um, and trying to defend or or aggress, if that's a word, um, instead of like being with the conversation and all the resistance I'm doing to all that song and dance in order just to avoid usually my own sadness, usually my own pain, usually my own insecurities. Um, I'd rather, you know, not up until now, like not get close to those and and do the, the song and dance. Um, but my heart is to have a relationship where I can be all those and be seen, accepted, loved, all that, and know that the other person is going to meet me there, um, which I think is probably... Everybody's universal, at some level, everybody's universal desire is to be fully seen and fully loved simultaneously. Um, so I would complain about all the song and dance that I was doing instead of being vulnerable to what I really wanted.
3: Well, and what I heard you say too, Ed, which I, I often have such a, you know, Jung talks about our view of ourselves as, you know, usually far more flattering than it really is for the other person. And I uh-huh. thought th- I found that that's probably the most pain. That's one of the most painful things is to find out that I've been so, you know, I'm so wrapped up in myself and who I think I am and how much that's missed her and how much, you know, what she's thinking of me is quite different. And yeah, connecting with that, at least is the beginning of communicating or connecting, right? I, I'll never forget. One of the best connections I ever had with Eileen is one in the middle of, but then just missing each other for weeks, months, a couple months at a time, and we played a game. Will you tell me what you're thinking, and I will say nothing back, and then I'll tell you what I'm thinking, and you say nothing back, and we'll just do that and think about it. And by the end of the conversation, because we just let it go. Like, well, I think you're, you know, competing with me. I think you're, you're, you know, jealous. I think you're angry. I think you're making me pay for this or that. And by the end of the conversation, we both had a big smile on our face without saying anything. And I wow. said, what are you smiling at? She goes, well, when we started this, I was disconnected. But now I feel connected to you, even though I don't like a lot of what you said. Right? And I was thinking the same thing. I said, well, at least I know where she is. And <laughs> and that, that was a good place to start for us to understand each other. But it, it's that dark side we tend to want to hide and, I know for me, I was afraid she used it against me. And that was one of the, that was, by the way, one of the ground rules. Whatever we say to each other, we are not going to use on each other later on. No payback.
1: Uh No putting that in the pocket for later.
3: Yeah. You don't get to (laughs) load your pistol and later on go, well, you said.
1: (laughs) Julia, how do you define a successful marriage?
2: For me, I believe that every couple has their own definition. I don't think there is one. I think I, I, one of the works that we do when people get started with me is I ask them to define their heaven, their marriage as if there was a heaven and their marriage, the hell of their marriage. And in a way of them looking at each choice they're making and asking them, which of those is it taking you towards? And so I've in all of this. I've, in the years of working with couples, I've discovered that there's this beautiful intricacy with each marriage and it's so uniquely beautiful. You'd think it's not that different. And there are the general things, like Adrian said, that every couple wants this. At the same time, I think it's just such a miracle that two people fall in love and what they <sighs> fall in love for and what attracts them to each other and what the magic they create together mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, like it's unique and their their definition of success is really completely theirs. What's yours? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you a little story and it's um this morning we were on our way here and Jeff had said something about um something that someone had said the other night, or something he said the other night and I said that's absolutely not which I probably said it different than that but he goes you're coming across quite arrogant. And I'm like, you're right. And we just cracked up laughing. Like the ability to not be so, just to be able to be with what's being said and it being being able to call each other out and yet love each other and appreciate each other and have fun enjoying the reality of being messy humans.
3: it doesn't sound like he was being contemptuous at all. He was just giving you what he thought. It wasn't like- yeah. Here, I'm going to make you pay. Right. right. It, it came from love. It was like, well, you were just being arrogant. Yeah. You
1: know? we, I had a similar experience with Katie the other day. We, I I got a bunch of dirt delivered to our house, and I plopped it right on the driveway. Because, of course, me being ambitious as I am, I'm going to get that thing moved in the next day or so. It's no <laughs> problem, right? Three weeks later. She had,
3: <laughs> and she couldn't get the car out of the garage for three weeks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> three weeks later there's still half a pile of dirt on the driveway. And I've already filled the new planter boxes that we built. So now we've got half a dump truck of dirt and, and nowhere for it to go. So we're, we have this conversation going, right? Where, where are we going to get rid of this dirt? Where are we going to put it? We have a pretty big yard, a couple different places where we're talking about putting this dirt. And we can't agree about where the dirt should go. And it became quite contemptuous. Uh, not contemptuous, uh, uh, uh contentious. quite contentious. contentious. Yes, thank you, contentious. And <laughs> at some moment, after we've been shoveling dirt for hours and hours and hours, we just look, <laughs> and we just started laughing. And it's just so funny. It's hilarious the breakdowns that we can find ourselves in. And that for me, I'm so with you, Julia. Like the, for me, that success in our marriage is if, like Dan, you always say, be connected in the breakdown. If we can, if throughout life, we can be committed to being connected in the breakdown, I'm in.
3: Yeah, that's good.
1: This has been great. Thank you.
2: Thank you, guys. How Act do people... Notes.
1: Under- Oh, go ahead. You took notes. <laughs> me right. too. So me right. we're, all,
3: we're all taking notes. Yep. I'm going to listen to this, this one.
1: <laughs> and thank you, by the way, for hanging with us in that conversation about healing. I think that was, to me, that was really impactful helpful. and helpful. I mean, that can be, as we pointed out, can be such a signaling term, I think, in the culture. like, almost an excuse to like, hey, don't don't fuck with me. Don't bother me. I'm healing over here.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And I, I was grateful that you were willing to, to dive in on that. um. So thank you for that. If people want to connect with you or interact with you, you put out phenomenal content, by the way, yes. both on your Instagram and on your YouTube. Thank you. Um, I watch all of them, and I deeply appreciate them. How can people, where should people go initially to to interact with you.
2: Instagram is a great place. Hey, Julia Woods. And then my YouTube is also Hey, Julia Woods.
1: Great. Any final words?
2: Just thank you, guys. Thank you. Dan Is been, he and Eileen have been um, just catalyst for moving from looking in the window to actually living in the beauty of what... I think all of us long for is to know and be known and be loved in the midst of knowing and be known, which I think marriage is the most beautiful place where that can most realistically happen. And I'm just grateful. Each of you have impacted my life dearly and impacted who I am choosing to become. So I'm honored to be, to know each of you and call each of you friends and thankful for what each of you do. Yeah. Same here, but even you, Julia, Julia,
3: you're doing a really, I think, meaningful work in a time and when them. it's most needed. Yeah. And and you're to me, you're you're one of the um, you're one of the uh, soldiers out there that's making a huge difference in a time when it's most needed in this culture. So, thank you, uh-huh.
2: thank you guys. Yeah, thank you, Julia. Your,
1: your dedication and your commitment is so. Uh, it, it comes across every time I see one of your posts on Instagram, I, I'm so happy just thinking about the conversation you and I had three years ago, right? What, I did
2: Instagram. I'm like, Chad, there's nothing good that happens on Instagram. <laughs> and you said, Julia, what if it could? What could that look like?
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it, it just, and then I saw that, that commitment to it, to create it, to to being what it, what it is that you were determined it was going to be for you. And I, I see that every single time that I see you on there. So it's been such a gift to me to, to, to watch that commitment turn into action and, and, and bold action and risk and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So thank you for your influence. Thank you for being on here. What a gift this conversation is to our, to our listenerships. Thanks, Julia. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday, we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening, and until next week, bye-bye, everybody.